Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who is charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we began our coverage of week two of the trial with the testimony of Jason Gould, a detective with the Morris County Prosecutor's Office at the time of the Canarac shooting, who investigated the incident as part of the prosecutor's major crimes unit. On today's installment, we look at the testimony of Washington Township Police Officer Jason Hensley, who was among the early responders to the 911 call reporting a shooting at the Barrison Farm. That's all coming up right after the break. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's mid-morning on April 4th, 2022, and Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn calls Washington Township Police Officer Jason Hensley to the stand. Hensley wears a dark blue dress uniform, including a matching tie. His dark hair is cropped closely on the sides and is cut short on top and parted on his left side. Shellhorn begins by asking the officer, Officer Hensley, can you please introduce yourself to the jury and tell them where you work? Officer Jason Hensley, I work with the Washington Township Police Department. And approximately how long have you worked for the Washington Township Police Department? Approximately four and a half years. What's your current rank and assignment? Patrol and patrol officer. Do you have any prior law enforcement experience before joining the Washington Township Police Department? I worked for two years in Menham Township Police Department. I'm going to direct your attention to August 7, 2019. Were you working for the Washington Township Police Department at that time? Yes. What were you doing on the afternoon of August 7, 2019? I was working a third-party detail. Can you explain to the jury generally what that means? Construction companies and outside contractors hire us to do traffic control in their work zones uh, when they're working in town. Do you recall what the nature of the third-party assignment was on that date? Yes, we're working with a tree trimming company. Do you recall the approximate area where that was happening? Uh, West Mill Road. How were you dressed on that day? I was wearing our Class C uniform. And what uniform are, uh, are you wearing today in court? This is a Class B uniform. What would be the difference between a Class B uniform and a Class C uniform? There's nothing different except the uh, badge and nameplate are embroidered. There's a patch on each arm, and that day in question, I was wearing a short sleeve uh, version of that uniform. Officer Hensley, uh, do you recall where you were working that, or the general area where you were working that third-party detail at approximately 2.15 the afternoon of August 7, 2019? At that point, we were on a lunch break, and we were right outside our town line in an industrial area. Um, and we were in a parking lot at that point. Were there any other Washington Township police officers there with you? Yes. Who was that? Detective Heimer. And I'm just going to ask you to keep your voice up a little bit if you uh, can. 
that microphone doesn't actually amplify okay. just records. Sorry. So just to make sure that the jury in the back behind you can, can hear you. Yes. Do you recall how Detective Heimer was dressed? He was dressed in the same fashion I was, wearing a Class C uniform. At that time, approximately 2.15 that afternoon, do you recall receiving a dispatch over your radio? Yes. Do you recall the address where that dispatch was for? Yes. What was the, the address? 411 West Mill Road. What was the general nature of the dispatch? Active shooter. What did you do after receiving that dispatch? I confirmed that with Detective Heimer, what the nature of the call was, and he had a ballistic vest with him at that point, so he began to respond. What did you do? I looked in my trunk and found a ballistic vest, and I responded as well. Had you ever been to the property of 411 West Mill Road before? Yes. Can you describe for the jury, in a general sense, the layout of the property? There's a farmhouse several hundred feet off of West Mill Road on the left side of the driveway going in. And as you proceed back into the um, rear of the property, there's a horse and equestrian facility. Are you able to see the equestrian facility from the road? Maybe the roof, if I recall correctly. Uh, when you proceeded to 411 West Mill Road in response to that dispatch, uh, at some point, did you pull into the driveway? Yes. Were there any other police officers already on scene? Detective Heimer and Officer Wartenberg. Do you recall if you saw where their vehicles were parked? They were parked in the driveway, the portion of the driveway that goes all the way back to the horse farm. Where were they parked in, re in relation to the area of the farmhouse? Right next to it. Off. If you're driving in, it'd be to the right of the farmhouse. Well, upon pulling into the driveway and seeing their cars there, could you see them? No. What did you do when you saw their cars there? I put my car in park and got out and immediately heard commotion coming from the rear of the residence. Where did you go? That's why I went, I went to the rear of the residence. What did you first see when you arrived in the area of the back of the residence? I saw Officer Wartenberg and Detective Heimer and three unidentified parties. Do you recall the position of the unidentified parties? Officer Heimer was standing over one. There was a gravel pile in that area and Officer Wartenberg was with another and there was a female that was laying next to the stairs where Officer Heimer was standing over top of the male subject. During the course of the investigation as it evolved, did you come to learn who the identities of those people were? Yes. Did you learn who the female was? Yes. Who is that? Lauren Kenner. Did you come to learn the identity of the person that Detective Heimer was standing by? Yes. Who was that? Michael Barrison. Do you see Michael Barrison in court today? Yes. Can you identify him by an article of clothing that he's wearing? He's wearing a white shirt, yellow tie, seated at the council's table. On identifying the defendant for the record. And you indicated that uh, Officer Wartenberg was with another male? Yes. Uh, did you come to learn who that male was? Yes. Who was that? Robert Goodwin. Where did you go first when you saw this? To uh, Officer Heimer's position. And what did you do when you got there? I began assessing the victim or the patient who was on the ground at the time. What were your initial observations of Ms. Kenner? She was pale and had a little bit of blood on her clothes. Prosecutor Shellhorn shows the officer a diagram of the Barrison property near the farmhouse where the shooting occurred. Officer Pensley, can you please tell the jury the approximate area where you parked your patrol car when you got into the property? Right in the area that says driveway on the diagram, right in that general area. And when you proceeded to the area of the rear of the farmhouse, can you describe the area where you saw Officer Wartenberg and Mr. Goodwin, approximately. Between the rear steps and the part that's labeled gravel pile. Do you see the area where you saw Detective Heimer and uh, the defendant? Yes. Can you describe for the jury the approximate area where you observed the two of them? It says back door in the bottom right corner of the portion that says house. Um, they were right off the 
the stairs there. And uh, where where did you observe Ms. Kenrick? If you're looking at it right there, it'd be to the left of the rear stairs between the bush and the rear stairs. Now, you indicated that you first went over to the area where Detective Heimer and the defendant were and Ms. Kenrick? Yes. And you indicated that you made some observations of Ms. Kenrick? Yes. What did you do at that point? I began to remove her clothes to see where the wounds were and uh, what the nature of them were. Did you identify an approximate area on her body where there were wounds? The upper left portion of her chest. Did you see how many there were? It appeared there were two bullet wounds. And could you describe what you saw as you removed some of the clothing that was in the way and you saw those wounds in that area? There was a little bit of blood and what looked like two puncture or bullet wounds. What did you do next? I began to try and hold pressure on the two wounds. There was a lot going on there, but as from what I had, that's the only thing I could uh, medically do at that point. At some point, did other officers arrive to the scene? Yes, uh, several Washington Township officers arrived. Did they bring anything with them? They brought various medical gear. What did they do when they got on scene? I gave over patient care to them because I wasn't um, a certified EMT at that point. So they had better knowledge of what Ms. Kenrick needed medically um, versus me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Prosecutor Shellhorn next moves on to ask Officer Hensley what he did after the EMTs arrived at the scene of the shooting. After turning over care for Ms. Kenrack to the other officers, what did you do next? I took custody of Mr. Barrison. At the time you took custody of him, was he restrained or handcuffed in any way? He was handcuffed. Were there any other officers with you when you took custody of him? No. When you took custody of him, did you tell him anything? I advised him of his Miranda rights at some point during my interaction with him, yes. Can you explain to the members of the jury what Miranda rights are? Miranda rights are given to anybody who's in custody or who may or may not be subject to an investigation. Why did you give him uh, or advise him of his Miranda rights at that time? Due to the nature of the call. We're still sorting stuff out. How did you advise him of those rights? I carry a card on me every time I'm working, and I read them verbatim off a card so that they're systematic and the same every time. Do you recall, and, and I can refer you back to S389, do you recall the approximate area where you were when you advised the defendant of those rights? Somewhere between the rear steps and until he was seated against an enclosed trailer, which is depicted in this diagram. Can you describe the general area where that is? And there's a vehicle that's marked FLREQ1F7QUE. It was at some point in the gravel area directly in front of that. After you advised him of those rights, uh, did he acknowledge them in any way? Yes, he verbally acknowledged that he understood the rights. And do you recall specifically what he said in acknowledging what you had just told him? No, I, I don't recall. I know it was a verbal acknowledgement. Did you ask him any questions after administering those rights to him? Yes, just That's medical it. questions, trying to ascertain if he had any further injuries that I couldn't see. Were you able to observe if he did have any injuries? It appeared he had a laceration on his head. His head and face were covered in blood. Now, you indicated that after, uh, at some point after you took custody, 
of Mr. Barrison in the area of the back door of the residence uh, that you were with him as he made his way across the driveway there. Yes. Uh, can you describe to the jury where he went first? I took him away from the immediate area so other members of the department can uh, render aid to Mrs. Canarac, and which was directly in front of that pick, that truck I described before, which is about in the center of that uh, gravel parking lot behind the rear door. When you were in that area, uh, do you recall, was he standing or sitting or something else? I believe he was kneeling at one point. I know that I did search him when he was standing. How did you search him? Anytime we search, we're taught in the academy, I mean, it's standardized and systematic. You're searching for any weapons or any contraband, and that's what I did when I searched Mr. Marisol. Did you pat down or uh, touch parts of his body? Yes, yeah, it was a just a routine pat down, looking for anything. Did you find anything in any of his pockets? Yes, in his right front pocket of his pants, there was a handgun magazine. Shawhorn displays an item of evidence to the officer and asks him what it is. That's the handgun magazine I pulled from Mr. Barrison's right front pants pocket. When you pulled it out of his pocket, were you able to tell whether there were bullets in the magazine? Yes. Did you take the bullets out at that time? No. What did you do with the magazine? I gave the magazine to Sergeant Bigham, who was also there um, helping me pat down Mr. Barrison at that time. And did you see what he did with the uh, magazine? Sergeant Bigham secured the magazine in the rear of the trunk of Corporal Fellini's patrol vehicle. And approximately how far away was that vehicle from where you were with Mr. Barrison? Approximately 15 to 20 feet. After locating that in Mr. Barrison's pocket and turning it over to, to Sergeant Bigham, did you take the defendant, Michael Barrison, anywhere else on the property? Yes, he was moved from that specific area to the side of an enclosed trailer, which is on the edge of the gravel lot, approximately 20 feet from my location. Did you see while he was in that area if he was treated or uh, examined by any EMS personnel? He was. And I'm going to show you uh, what's been marked as S-250 and entered into evidence already. What is S-250 a picture of? That's Mr. Barrison's clothing and shoes. And is that in the approximate area you were just describing to the jury where you saw him receiving medical treatment? Yes. Were you given any assignments with respect to uh, Mr. Barrison and his transport off the property? Yes. What were you uh, instructed to do? I was instructed to accompany Mr. Barrison to Morristown Medical Center. Did you do that? Yes. How did he get to the Morristown Medical Center? I'm not sure if it was a Long Valley First Aid Squad ambulance or an Atlantic ambulance, but it wasn't. He was in the back of an ambulance. Were there EMTs or other medical personnel in the ambulance? Yes. What were they doing during the course of the, the transport from uh, Long Valley to Morristown? Assessing and treating Mr. Barrison. Do you recall approximately how long that transport took? Approximately 30 minutes. Was Mr. Barrison, the defendant, uh, restrained or handcuffed while he was in the back of the ambulance? Yes. Do you recall specifically any of the medical conversations or the conversations that he was having with the medical personnel? They were just talking, speaking medically to him in the sense of asking him to try and ascertain what was wrong with him and uh, they were treating him medically. Did you ask him any questions? No. During the course of time that the defendant was in the back of the ambulance being transported to Morristown, uh, did he make any statements that you do recall? Yes. Were those statements made in response to any specific questions from the medical personnel? No. Can you tell the jury what you recall overhearing the defendant say? Is this real? And I need to wake up. Do you recall the approximate number of times that he made each of those statements? Undetermined, but there was, it was multiple, it was several times. Did you hear him say those words verbatim or is that a, a summary or just your recollection of what he said? If I recall my report correctly, there were um, direct statements that were 
his quotes. Were those statements recorded? No. Were they required to be recorded? No. What was the defendant's appearance or demeanor during the time that you were observing him in the ambulance? Appeared robotic. Other than I, in the ambulance, I was seated behind him, so I wasn't able to um, see his appearance. Uh, did you see his face? No, I saw the back of his head. Did you have any issues understanding the words he was using or the language he was using? No. Do you recall when you arrived at Morristown Medical Center? Yes. yes. Uh, what happened when you arrived there? Mr. Burstone was taken out of the ambulance and brought inside the hospital and brought to a trauma room. Do you recall if there were any other members of law enforcement at the hospital already? Officer Barnes followed me. That I recall, he was the only officer that I directly remember seeing when I got out of the ambulance. When you went inside, did you see other members of law enforcement? Officer Barnes, at some point, uh, Detective Gould was there from the prosecutor's office. What was your role at the hospital once you arrived there? I was to maintain contact with Mr. Barrisone visually as in a security function. Where were you while you were doing that? I was outside the trauma room that Mr. Barrison was in. Do you have any recollection of the treatment that he received while he was there? No. No further questions for Officer Hensley at this time. Thank you, Judge. Judge Taylor then invites Edward Belinkus to cross-examine Officer Hensley. Morning, Officer. Morning. Now, you were with Hamer uh, when he got the call to respond? Detective Heimer, yes. And uh, he left and you immediately followed thereafter, correct? Negative. How long after did you arrive from Hamer? Approximately one minute after Detective Heimer. All right, so Detective Heimer gets there, you arrive approximately a minute after, correct? Approximately, yes. And you immediately have an opportunity to observe Michael Barrison, correct? Immediately in what sense, sir? You were right there with Cataract and, and Barrison. Yes, when I went to Officer Heimer's position, yes, I immediately observed him. Okay, and would you describe Michael Barrison at that point as partially conscious? Yes. Would you describe him as incoherent? I didn't have too much interaction with him, so I... Well, when you say you didn't have interaction with him, you Mirandized him, correct? At that point, yes. Yes, I did. And was he incoherent at that point? No. No. You said you used your uh, card that you always use, correct? Yes. And again, that's, I assume, so you don't leave anything out, you ask the questions verbatim each and every time, correct? Yes. Uh, and your testimony that on day you asked all the questions on your card, correct? Yes. And, and what was Michael Barrison's response to each and every question? At the end, his, he verbally acknowledged that I read him his Miranda warnings. What do you mean he verbally acknowledged? I don't recall if he said yes or I understand or something of that nature, but he verbally, verbally acknowledged that he understood what I just told him. And what did he say when you said, having these rights in mind, you wish to talk to us now? I don't recall. You asked him that question, correct? Yes. And, and you have no recollection of, of what he said in response to that specific question that was on your part? It was a summary. Uh, I read everything. And then I asked him if he understood. And then you asked him, having these rights in mind, do you wish to talk to us now, correct? I don't recall what his answer was to that. At that point, I wasn't going to ask him anything investigative. Now, when you got there, was Michael Barrison handcuffed? Yes. Was he handcuffed behind oh. his back? Correction, correction. I was the, he was not handcuffed. He was handcuffed while I was there. Okay. Was he handcuffed behind his back? Yes. Did he make any indication to you when his left arm was put behind his back and handcuffed that he was in pain? I did not handcuff him, so to me, no. 
while you were there interacting with him, his hand were cuffed behind his back, correct? Yes. And at any point in time, when his hands and both arms were cuffed behind his back, did he indicate to you that he was in pain? Not that I recall. Did you notice anything or observe him which would indicate to you that he was in pain? No. Like wincing or, or, or making expressions when, when he was moved one way or another? No. You know, you rode with him in the ambulance to the hospital, correct? Yes. And did you see any medical personnel uh, inject anything into his body? I did not observe that, no. Did Michael Barrison at any point in time complain that he was in pain? Not that I'm aware of. Was he still handcuffed behind his back? If I recall correctly, yes. Based on your observations, before he was put in the ambulance, you made an observation, and correct me if I'm wrong, that his left arm could well have been fractured, correct? I don't recall that. Blinkus then shows Officer Hensley a section of his police report. Yes, I mean, uh, that he several lacerations and impossible fractured left arm. And, and you were aware of that before it was placed in the ambulance, correct? It appears so. And did anyone try to accommodate that fracture when they secured him in the ambulance, to your knowledge? Not that I'm aware. When was uh, your official report done? I don't know if there's an author date. If, if this is accurate, then it was on August 11th. When was that it approved by a supervisor? Uh, it says, yes, report date, August 11th. Now, what does report date mean? If I could recall that it's when I authored the report. Not when a supervisor uh, approves your report, correct? I'm unaware of that. I've never approved the report. But this date on your report that says report date indicates to you that that's when you wrote and submitted it, correct? It appears that way, yes. Now, during the transport to the hospital, it's your testimony that Michael Barrison repeatedly said, is this real? Is that correct? Yes. And he said it how many times? Multiple times. I can't put a number on it. So as he's going to the hospital, he continually says, or says multiple times, is this real? Is this real? He said it in, conjunct in conjunction with the other statement that I had in quotes there. Okay. The other statement, I need to wake up. I, I need to wake up. How many times did he say that? He's, same amount of times since the first statement? They were one and the same. Uh, he was just saying them one after the other, the same phrase. Now, you had uh, indicated on direct that you uh, you were familiar or of this location, correct? Yes. Uh, you had responded on August 1st to an incident, correct? Yes. And will you agree with me that Michael Barrison looked uh, much different on the 7th than he did on the 1st, correct? In what context, sir? His demeanor. I don't really have a clear picture of his demeanor right now. Belinkus concludes his cross by asking Officer Hensley. And finally, the term that you used to describe him was robotic, correct? Yes. Nothing further. Any redirect? No, thank you, Judge. All right, you may step down. Thank you. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Join us on our next installment as we examine the testimony of the prosecution's final witness, Edward David, an attorney who was on the phone with Lauren Canrack at the moment when she was shot. If you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Planning for your next trip? 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracon. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and the trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison.